Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to study the prophet <coughs> Jeremiah, that's Yirmiyahu, chapter 39. We finished chapter 38 after um, we heard about the conversation, the secret conversation that Jeremiah, the prophet, had with Tidkiyahu, Tzedekiah the king, where he told him that if he didn't surrender, he would be captured by the king and his entire, all of his sons would be captured by the Babylonians and that the city would be destroyed. Um, we remember that Sidkiyahu was too much of a coward to do anything and go against the words of his own advisors. He ignored Jeremiah's advice. And the last we heard was that Jeremiah was in the courtyard of the prison and that we're, we were introduced to the fact that we're about to, to read about what occurred when the city fell to the Babylonians and the Chaldeans. So let's start with verse 30, uh, chapter 39, verse 1. It was during the ninth year of the reign of Tzidkiyahu, the king of Judah, in the tenth month. We know that this is the tenth day of the month of Tevet, uh, the tenth month. The king of Babylon, Nebuchadrezzar, came and all of his armies. They came to Jerusalem and they laid siege to the city. That was in the ninth year of his reign. The city held out for almost two years. It was then in the eleventh year of Tzidkiyahu's reign. In the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the walls of the city broke broke down. Now, we're all many of us, uh, many listeners might be familiar with the fast day of Asara B'Tevit, the tenth day of the month of Tevit, which was the day when the siege was laid upon Jerusalem. Also, might be familiar with the fast day of the seventeenth day of the month of Tammuz, which is the fourth month as the day when the city walls fell. But here it says that it was the ninth day of the month, not the 17th day, it, it, because, uh, and the commentaries explain that the 17th day of Tammuz was when the second temple walls fell to the Romans. And people confuse those dates. But it was actually the ninth day of the month of Tammuz that the walls fell in the first temple period when those walls fell and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, conquered Jerusalem. So, verse 3, Vayavog called Sorei Melech Bavel, all of the officers of the king of Babylon came, Vayeshvu Bishar HaTovech, and they sat in the central gate, um, uh, as conquerors. Um, and who were these, who were these um, officers? They were the uh, by Nergal Sar Etzer Samgar Nivo, one person whose name was Nergal Sar Ezer, another one whose name was Samgar Nivo, who was Sar Sechim, 
Rav Saris, who uh, who was the head of the um, officers, or Saris could be the head of the eunuchs, Nergal Sar Etzer Rav Mug, Narel Sar Etzer, who was the Rav Mug, the head of Mug, the Cholshe Eirit, Sarei Melech Pavel, and all of the remaining officers that were in charge of Babylon. These are all various uh, officials of the kingdom. Um, and they came and they sat in the middle of the city. Now, we'll see that the targets was the leadership. They knew that the rebellion was from the noble classes, the wealthy classes, the priestly classes. Those were the ones who had rebelled against Babylon. Remember how much we've described so many times how the wealthy had taken advantage of the poor people of Judea. We learned how they enslaved them. We learned how even when they emancipated them, then they re-enslaved them. These people uh, were not the ones that the Babylonians were after. The poor, the, the, the normal Judeans living in the streets and the, and the, and the uh, tents and the, and the humble homes, they were not the ones that the Babylonians were after. They, didn't, they weren't out to slaughter all of the Jews. Rather, they were out to get rid of the nobility class because the nobility class was where the rebellion had come from. So, verse 6, we read... I'm sorry, I, I skipped a little. Um, it's something important. So the officers are there. We're up to verse 4. Sorry. So when the king of Judah and all of his soldiers saw that they had broken in. So they, um, uh, and they ran, and they left Lila at night. They ran, they hid, and at nighttime they snuck out from the city, through the king's garden, which was a secret way they were able to get out of the city without being seen by the occupying forces. Through a, a gate that was between the walls, and they went out towards the Arava, the um, the wilderness, the desert. Um, they were expecting to try to escape, maybe set up a camp, a military camp, with the king somewhere out there, and somehow be able to revive the rebellion or find a place to hide until Nebuchadnezzar left. However, that wasn't what happened. Verse 5, a year de Fuchel Kastimacharehem, the Chaldean army pursued them by Asigu at Sidkio, and they captured Sidkio, the king, Barvot Yerecho, on the plains of Jericho, by Yekhuoto, and they took him by Alu el Nebuchadrezzar Melech Bavel, and they took him to the king of Babylon, Nebuchadrezzar, Rivlata, who was staying in a place called Rivlat, the Eretz Hamat, which was in the land of Hamat. So that is a. Um, Somewhat distant from the field of battle, by Daberi Tomish Patim, and he, and he spoke him in a way of like putting him on trial. He put Tzidkiyo on trial. Presumably, he put him on trial for having defied the king. Remember, Tzidkiyo was supposed to be a vassal king to Nebuchadnezzar. He was placed there by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, in order to be a vassal and rule over Yehuda. And obviously, he didn't do that job very well because he decided to rebel. Mm -hmm.
So then, when he put him on trial, he took he took the sons of Tzidkiyahu, all of his sons, and he slaughtered them in front of their father's eyes. He had kol Yehuda, and all of the noblemen of Yehuda, Shochat Melech Bavel, the king of Babylon, slaughtered them. And then, after witnessing this horrific um, display of vengeance, uh, Tzidkiyahu then uh, suffered even more, because there he blinded uh, the king Tzidkiyahu, and he and he was chained him in 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 um, in in bronze chains Lavioto Bavela to bring him to Babylon as a captive. He's now had witnessed the death of all of his children and all of his uh, not all of his children, all of his sons and all of his supporters. Now he's being brought as in chains as a slave to Babylon. and the house of the king and the house of the nation. Um, Beit Ha'am can be translated in several ways. Um, in general, it means the, uh, it probably means the houses of the people. Uh, um, it could, some translate this as meaning the, the synagogues, the Beit Ha'am, the place where the people gathered, uh, the synagogues were destroyed. It could also, some feel as a reference to the temple itself. We do know from other sources that the temple was destroyed by this occupying force but that is not mentioned in this verse so this Beit Ha'ama might be a reference to the temple but we do know that Sarfua Kastim Baish the Chaldeans burnt uh, the king's palace and, and the Beit Ha'am they burnt in fire and they destroyed the walls of Jerusalem and the remainder of the people this is the poor people and and those people that had given themselves over, that had surrendered prior to tearing down the walls of the city. Remember that there were people that had surrendered to the Chaldeans and followed Jeremiah's advice when Jeremiah told them to leave the city and surrender, that they would be survive. So those survivors as well, and the remaining people that happened to still be alive, Either they were hiding, or they were in the hills, or the forests, or the caves, whatever it was, whoever was left. Hegla Nebuzaradan Ravat Tabachim Bavel. The Nebuzaradan, who was the head of the, um, the king's guards, he exiled all of those people as well to, to, um, to the... Uh, to Babylon. However, Ominam Hadalim, the poor, Asher Einlahem Uma, that had nothing, the poor, the ones that the ones that were enslaved before, the ones that had no property of their own, the ones that did not have any homes, them Hishir This was somewhat of a time of justice, almost where the slaves get portions of the of the um, fields and homes of the former masters. Nebuzaradan, who was the head of the guards of the Babylonian army, he gave the property of the now exiled Judeans, their former masters, he gave them vineyards, he gave him and he gave them fields at that time. So it was almost uh, a, a justice being done to a society that was corrupt where the leadership was corrupt and took advantage of the poor, 
Now the entire wealthy class and noble class are sent into exile and the poor are given those properties. So there are still Jews in Jerusalem. They were the people that were previously the bottom of the social ladder. They were the people that were previously impoverished. Now they have homes. The only thing is, is they're subservient now to the, directly to the king of Babylon. They no longer have a royal family of Judah leading them. Kachenu ve'enechasim olav. I'm sorry, I skipped to verse 11. Ve'etzav Nebuchadrezzar melech bavel al and Nebuchadrezzar, the king of Babylon, commanded regarding Jeremiah, biad nebuzradan ravetabochim leimar, right? He gave orders to Nebuzradan, the head of the guards, he gave him orders what to do about Jeremiah, who is now still in Jerusalem, and at this time was still presumably in the prison yard, um, does he go away with the exiles? Does he stay with the poor people? What do we do with Jeremiah? The king, the king, who of course was fully aware that Jeremiah had been advising the king not to rebel from the beginning, wanted to therefore treat Yirmiyahu well. Kachenu, he said, take, I want you to take him from the prison yard where he is. I want you to watch over him and take care of him. Do not harm Jeremiah. Make sure he is safe. Whatever he wants, do with him. If he wants to go in exile with the people, fine. If he wants to, um, to, uh, to stay in Jerusalem, that's also fine. If he wants something else, that's also fine. Take care of him. If you remember, God promised Jeremiah that when the city is destroyed, he would not be killed along with the, the others in the city. And this is God keeping his promise. And so Nuzradan took this message uh, from the king and, and he sent um, he sent this message to the others, Unuvush Shazbon Ravsoris, another person who was one of the officers, Venir Galsar Etzerav Mog, we mentioned him before, Bechol Rabbi Melech Babel, he sent this message to all of the officers that are now administering this newly captured land of Judea. So they went and they took Jeremiah Mechatzar Amatara, who is still stuck in the prison yard. They took him also, and they gave him over to El Gidal Yehu ben Achikam ben Shafan. So they they brought him to a man whose name was Gidal Yahu, the son of Achikam, the son of Shafan. The Shafan family has um, uh, has has uh, been mentioned several times. There was a lot of prominent scribes, and many of them were among Jeremiah's supporters, and. And they chose, um, the, the conquerors, the Babylonian conquerors, chose Gidal Yahu to be, remain as some sort of a governor to rule, to administer the territory now and, and all of the formerly impoverished people that are now remaining in Jerusalem. So they said, bring Jeremiah to Gidal Yahu and give him a normal house so he doesn't no longer need to leave, live in the prison yard. And Yermio had received word from God, when he was stuck in the prison yard, he had, um, he had received this, this following message. Um, the message was as follows, 
I want you to go tell the person that had the name Ebed Melech, king's servant, Hakushi the Ethiopian. He was the one who saved Jeremiah before from the pit of mud. So God told Jeremiah to send the message and go and tell this man, the man who had saved you, give, tell him the following thing. It's also says, God, the Lord of Israel, as I am about to bring about my prediction, which I spoke about the city in a bad way. I'm going to punish them. The things that I said that could happen that are good are not the things that are about to happen now because the people didn't repent, so I'm going to bring evil to them. It's going to happen on this day. You will be there when this occurs. And and because you you saved me, I'm going to save you, Evet Malach, on that day. No matter says God. And don't worry. You don't have to worry. You will not be given over to the captors, to the Babylonians. You will be saved. I will save you. This is verse 18. You will not fall to the sword. And your own life will be what you rescue from all of this destruction. You will walk away with your life. Because you had trust in me. No Madunai says God. So here we have the set the setting for the next chapter, which we'll study together soon, where Jeremiah is is uh, the the king of Babylon instructs uh, his officers to listen to Jeremiah's uh, uh, word. Jeremiah chooses not to go into exile with the people that are being exiled, with but rather he chooses to stay with the poor people who stayed in Jerusalem even after the destruction of the city, and and he then stays with Gedaliah who was placed by the Babylonians as an officer to administer this new territory of theirs, uh, or this territory which is now completely the Babylonians. So they leave a, a, a Jewish leader named Gedaliah in charge of these people with the prophet Jeremiah, with all of the people that used to be the poor, the lower classes of Jerusalem. So there is some hope for some sort of renaissance of the city of Jerusalem and the people of Judah and the Jewish people in that uh, in that land. And that's where we end chapter 39, but unfortunately things are going to get even worse, which we will read about together when we study chapter 40 and beyond. Thank you so much.